0: to the wonky world of week 18 and welcome into fantasy football today DFS on Thursday January 6th. I am Frank Sample joined as always by Mike McClure and Sian Ajad the last week of the regular season. We're going to deep dive each game on the week 18 main slate. Look it up motivation playoff scenarios statistics milestones, records, everything possible, and I, I think I've got it all. I think I've got it all. We'll find out a little bit later on. We'll have my dad's sneaky DFS picks towards the end, and of course, our cheat sheet, favorite value, chalk contrarian, and stack of the week. How we doing, Sia? Do we feel any better today than we did on Tuesday about week 18?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually starting to feel a little bit better about it, and I'm starting to kind of see the light a little bit in terms of the games and the players I want to focus on, so... Yeah, it's all it's all being streamlined. As each day goes by, it's streamlining a little bit better. I mean, honestly, I think we're going to receive news even over the next couple of days in terms of, you know, who may or may not be playing, who may or may not be carrying a full load. So things will change a little bit. But, you know, we have so many games that matter so much, uh, whether it's to make the playoffs or to maintain the number one seed or to capture perhaps a higher seed that will gain home field advantage uh, throughout the playoffs like All of those things really matter. So there's plenty of games to choose from that uh, are high motivation games.
0: And I I found a game, you that both teams are playing for absolutely nothing that I actually like quite a bit. We'll get Mm -hmm. to that in a little bit later on as well. What's going on, Mike? It's a busy time. We've got golf is back, football going on. All the sports seem like they're coming together at once. You guys are trying to make me uh, throw a golf lineup in. I, I know nothing about golf DFS, but hopefully we'll you. you guys. We'll get, will get you next me. week. We'll get you next week doing a lineup. Trust <laughs> for me. sure. Yeah. What's for up, Mike? Sure.
2: Uh, just riding out a snowstorm here in Nashville. Uh, enjoying a little bit of golf coverage as well. But uh, yeah, just getting ready for this week. Trying to navigate everything. Like Sia said, it feels like every day, but almost like every two hours, we get some piece of news that either eliminates a player or in some cases, adds three more players we need to be concerned about as they try to fill a massive void. So uh, it's a really fun slate, but fortunately, we've narrowed down a few options in each position here.
0: All right, well, let's start off with the first game here, and I'm going in order of total on the slate. Probably should have went in order of motivation, but it's too late now. This is the order that I have, and we're going to start with the Packers at the Lions. The Packers are four-point favorites with a 44-and-a-half-point total. The Packers have locked up the number one seed in the NFC. Matt LaFleur said that the starters will play. How much? Not really sure about that. The Lions have the second overall pick in the draft and very unlikely to get the first pick. They would need the Jaguars to win. Again... Not very likely. Aaron Jones was limited in practice, and for the Lions, two offensive linemen, Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker, went on the COVID list Monday. They still have a chance to play this week. Jared Goff is currently questionable with that knee injury. Sia, we will start with you. What are we thinking about the Packers? I imagine even if the starters play a few series, I really would not project much more than that. So are there any backups here that you're looking at for the Packers?
1: Yeah, there's one in particular. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for Jordan Love to play a lot of this game. It makes a lot of sense for maybe the receivers to be largely out of play. But this is the Detroit defense, and I don't think A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones are going to see the field much. And so to me, a guy like Patrick Taylor, and again, we, we need to maybe receive a little bit more information as the days go by. Maybe we won't, maybe we will, but taking a shot at a 4K Patrick Taylor seeing as though he's probably, and I'm not saying definitely, but probably going to get the most carries. I think he kind of makes sense on that side. Again, it's a dart. It's a risk. But this is the Detroit defense that just gave up how many yards and touchdowns to Rashad Penny? Now, don't get me wrong. Penny's been good over the last three or four weeks. But uh, I, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility for Taylor to have a big day here.
0: Yeah, Patrick Taylor had six carries last week for 18 yards in that blowout victory against the Minnesota Vikings. So I agree. Uh, If if AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are the ones sitting out, then Patrick Taylor likely the next man up there. Mike, on the Lions side of things... Amonra St. Brown is absolutely on fire, really has not mattered who the quarterback is. He has double-digit targets in five straight games, but he's priced all the way up to 6,800, and just rounding out the Lions, I think DeAndre Swift, the only other name that we are potentially looking at, he's only $5,900, but I saw a report earlier today on Thursday that he expects to be used the same way as he was last week. He only had six touches last week. I guess that does not bode well for him.
2: Yeah, I don't think it bodes well for him. Like, if you're someone that's playing one to ten lineups, I think you can comfortably cross him off the list. If you're someone that's playing a lot of lineups, major field tournament stuff, I don't hate it, uh, just because he was out there for a number of snaps. He was just more of a decoy than anything. But he's on the field that many snaps. He possesses a ton of upside anytime he does touch the football, especially against a team that isn't necessarily trying to win the football game on the other side. Uh, so if you're playing large tournaments, I actually don't hate it. Um, I can't get there with five lineups, but you're playing a lot of lineups. I think it's an okay week to take a stance and take a shot on someone like DeAndre Swift if we're confident he's going to be out there. What do you play? Probably close to 60% of the snaps last week. Uh, just didn't touch the football much. So if he's going to be on the field, I-, I would be okay taking a deep shot in, in large tournaments.
0: What about Amon St. Brown? Like he's priced up to 6800
2: probably not that price point's somewhat prohibitive just because i think this week you're still going to want to focus on cooper cup jonathan taylor some of those guys that we know are going to have to go out there and get those points and then the value is going to be created so i'll be avoiding amanda st brown i mostly almost definitely will be avoiding this game completely unless we get very encouraging news about aj dylan and uh, aaron jones sitting
0: see anything on the lion's side
1: Amon Ra, you know, I haven't really decided on him. 6,800 is quite a bit. I mean, I, I do th- I do think this team, just based on how they're playing for their coach more than anything, th- this is going to be an all-out effort. They're going to try to get another win here. So I think Amon Ra St. Brown makes sense. He, he should be relatively popular, to be honest. I mean, he's got, what, a 30% target share just over the last four weeks, which is a ton, and he's doing a lot with it. Again, though, I, I tend to agree with Mike, there's probably better situations and better receivers, but as of now, he's definitely in the player pool. I do have some interest. And I'll say, and again, this is where I'm, you know, some of these games, we're going to be speculating a little bit. And some of these games, we don't have to speculate. This is a game that we're starting with where we have to speculate a little bit. And if we hear some news, like we've already heard some news about DeAndre Swift, about perhaps maybe mimicking what he did last week, which wasn't much. And, you know, Jamal Williams is is sort of, you know, getting up there. If we hear, hey, Craig Reynolds is going to get the lion's share, no pun intended, of this of this backfield I mean again this is another cheap guy at 4300 against a Packers team who a gives up a lot to the run but b probably won't be playing many starters on that side of the ball anyway so it's just these are things to consider maybe like Take note of these names and we'll wait for more news as the days go
0: by. Last thing I'll point out in this game if we get confirmation that the Packers starters are only going to play a few series, the wide receivers, the backups there, they're all men Price, Equanimia St. Brown, Amari Rogers, and Jawan Winfrey there with the Packers. I just realized Equanimia St. Brown and Amonra St. Brown. Oh, yeah. The battle of the yeah. brothers in this game. So. Maybe some extra motivation there for uh, for either one of them, both of them. Let's move on to the Bears at the Vikings, and the Vikings are five-and-a-half-point favorites with a 44-and-a-half-point total. The Bears and Vikings have both been eliminated from the playoffs, but this is a divisional matchup and could be the last game for both head coaches here. Matt Nagy and... The name is escaping me. Vikings... Mike Mike Zimmer. That is correct. Um, So we'll see what happens with those guys in the offseason. And this is the game that I was referring to. I, I still have interest in this game, even though there are no playoff implications whatsoever. For the Bears, Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, and Jakeem Grant did not practice. Justin Fields was supposed to start. And then he landed on the COVID list on Thursday. I would guess that Andy Dalton gets to start as of now for the Vikings Two offensive li- linemen, Christian Darrisaw and Ezra Cleveland plus linebacker, Eric Kendricks went on the COVID list Monday. They'll have a chance to play cam Dansler, Mackenzie Alexander and Chris Boyd, three cornerbacks for the Vikings. They are all questionable. Kirk cousins is back with the team. See how likely are you to target this game? Uh, I, I think that both teams are going to go out there and they're going to try for whatever reason. But I do think we see a little bit of back and forth here. And if that's the case, I could see maybe stacking Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson in the spot.
1: I don't hate the idea, but but I think I'm going to end up avoiding this game because again, like you know, again, we're we're speculating a little bit on the games where we don't know about the motivations of the teams because they're out of the playoffs. For example, I'm more willing to speculate. On, on guys like Patrick Taylor, for example, where they're 4K and there is legitimate upside there. Not that there is an upside for Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. I, I just feel like if you're paying that much for that stack, I, I think there's probably better places to get it. So I, I don't really like anything on this Viking side. I think KJ Osborne is interesting because we know he's going to be the wide receiver too. And we know that as the wide receiver too, he has been getting a ton of targets and a ton of the target share. Outside of that, on this Viking side, honestly, and I'll just save the time on the for me on the Bears side I'm not really interested in anything even David Montgomery because I have a question as to whether in this particular game he'd get a full workload I think we could see a lot of Khalil Herbert maybe even some Damian Williams this game
0: I hear you there I worry a little bit more about Dalvin Cook on the Viking side obviously he's such an integral part of their team and their offense you know I don't you know they don't want to risk anything the final week of the season they need him healthy uh, heading into the offseason and for next year so Dalvin Cook I think I'm out on David Montgomery I really don't mind it. I think there are other running back values in like that 6K range that you could probably pivot to instead of him, but he does have 23-plus touches in three straight games. He's only $6,800 here. Justin Jefferson, I will point out, even though he's higher priced at 8100 47% target share in the two games without Adam Thielen where Kirk Cousins was the quarterback in week 14 and 15. Mike, what do you think about this game?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. So initially, like for... Every week for Sportsline, I start and send some guys in that we talk about right up for marketing, et cetera. Early in the week, you know, last Sunday, basically right after the last late locked, David Montgomery was a guy that I started having interest in this week, just because the workload has been very consistent. There hasn't been a ton to play for, but I am growing. My my concern is growing. Like Sia mentioned, I think that it's possible he still plays the first half of this game. But I am a little concerned that he does get limited down the stretch. Um, I'm not expecting 20-plus touches again. I could be very wrong about that. He could play the complete game again and could absolutely smash. But I think now with all the value that's emerging, based off what we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the show, I'm probably cooling off a little bit on David Montgomery. I'm not removing him totally from the player pool, but he isn't going to be a core lineup piece like I thought he might early in the week.
0: Do you have any interest in Justin Jefferson up top there, 8,100?
2: Not really, honestly. Um, I I think that on the big spins this week, it's going to be teams in very competitive must-win spots or would-be-very-nice-to-win spots. Um, That's the route I'm going to go. And then hopefully by Sunday morning, I will have sorted out which of the core value pieces to add to those. Um, You know, if you want to play Jefferson, I think it's fine. I I think that he's someone we talked about them limiting Dalvin Cook. I don't think they limit Justin Jefferson much. Um, I I think they could let him go wild if they wanted to. So I don't think it's a terrible look in tournaments, but certainly not going to be a core play. By any means.
0: All right, let's move on to one of those do or die games, and that's the Colts at the Jaguars. The Colts are 15 and a half point favorites with a 44 point total here. The Colts need to win, and they are in the playoffs. The Jaguars secure the first overall pick with a loss, which. Very likely to happen. For the Colts, safety Anderson Dejo was placed on the COVID list Thursday and will miss this game. Cornerback Xavier Rhodes and defensive tackle DeForest Buckner did not practice. For the Jaguars, linebacker Miles Jack and tight end James O'Shaughnessy did not practice. Dan Arnold has been designated to return, but no guarantee there. Jonathan Taylor is 9,300 over on DraftKings. He's the highest-priced running back, and rightfully so. He needs 266 rushing yards to get to 2,000 for the season. Not likely, but possible against this Jaguars defense. So I love him in this spot. I will point out he has just four targets over the last four weeks. So he's being used less in that regard, but obviously everything that he does on the ground, his touchdown capital, how much he's using the red zone. I think he's in play here. And Mike, I will throw it to you because you are not usually looking to pay up for Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm.
2: Not usually looking to pay up. I just think that we're going to have the opportunity to. So a few minutes ago, you mentioned bare minimum wide receivers. There's probably three to four teams that we're going to have multiple, either bare minimum wide receivers or receivers under $3,800 that are going to be reliable targets this week. So I am interested. I'm playing Jonathan Taylor on DraftKings, uh, core piece of the lineups this week. I will probably end up with a little bit Of the defense as well. Uh, Love that correlation. Love playing them there. Uh, I just think it's an absolutely great spot for them. So, yes, uh, I am playing Jonathan Taylor this week.
0: All right, we're going to cut that clip and we're going to play it until the end of time because it doesn't happen often here that Mike Mm -hmm. wants to play Jonathan Taylor. See, I'm thinking the early build for cash because we're going to have so much value. I think you get both Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor in the lineup, something you did last week.
1: Yeah, I think you do too. And that's, that's what I fully intend on doing this week. I like Jonathan Taylor in cash. I'll probably be playing him in tournaments too, just because you you might be just out of it. If he goes for 150 and a touchdown or two, whether he's chalk or not. So, yeah, I like Jonathan Taylor a lot. I'll keep this one short. I think Jonathan Taylor is in obviously a great play against the Jacksonville defense. Uh, on that side of the ball, I'm, I'm personally not really interested in, in Carson Wentz to Michael Pittman. It's mostly – or Carson Wentz to anybody, frankly. And it's mostly because in this particular game, with this particular spread, with these particular stakes – why would you entrust Carson Wentz with anything? I mean, that doesn't mean he's never going to throw, but I just feel like first, second, third down, you're leaning on Jonathan Taylor as much as possible. So that's that's how I see it. I love correlating it with the Colts' defense, and uh, that, that's how I'm going to deal with that. Just so you know, I'm, I'm not uh, – you're probably going to ask Mike this. I'm not taking anybody on the Jacksonville side, and that includes some of these guys that have really shown up, like Laquan Treadwell and Daria Bowale last week.
0: All right, Mike. You're already shaking your head, so I'm going to assume you are out on the Jaguars.
2: Yep, I am out on the Jaguars. <laughs> All right, let's. The move Jaguars on. are out on the Jaguars. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> very interesting team for the offseason, too. I would. I, I want to see what happens there. I saw something on Twitter that I think the fans are planning to like wear con mustaches to like mock the owner on Sunday. So I, I don't know. I'm sure that can uh, wind up. Being fun to watch. I don't. I don't know if it's actually going to happen or if they're going to let people in the stadium actually doing that. But we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, the Titans are at the Texans. The Titans are ten point favorites with a forty three point total, and the Titans are currently the number one seed in the AFC and will secure that with a win or a Chiefs loss on Saturday. So obviously the Chiefs play b- beforehand here, but they're big favorites and. Obviously expected to win that game against the Broncos. So once they win, the Titans do have something to play here, uh, play for here against the Houston Texans. Uh, for the Titans, offensive lineman Roger Saffold, center Ben Jones, and Julio Jones all limited in practice. The big dog, Derrick Henry, has been designated to return from the IR. On the Texan side, wide receiver Chris Conley did not practice. See what is the likelihood? of Derrick Henry actually playing in the spot. He's 7,100 on DK, only 5K on FanDuel.
1: I just think it's amazing that we're looking at pricing for Derrick Henry coming off the injury that he did, and that Cam Akers is somehow going to be suiting up and getting carries. This is either modern medicine just really advancing, which it probably is, or just a bunch of people being really negligent about very serious injuries. And I, I'm i only pointing that out because I'm just so amazed, but good for these guys for getting back on the field. But I, I, I mean, d- Derrick Henry is not in play for me this week at all, if that's what you're asking. I think if you were going to play a running back on this side, I think pretty, pretty clearly it would be Deontay Foreman. I don't think he's a bad play at all. I don't think that running back carousel is really much of a carousel anymore. I do think it's Deontay Foreman's job for the most yeah. part. Um, other than that, on the Tennessee side, I, I, I don't think I'm going to dive back into A.J. Brown personally. Um, but I don't think he's a bad play at all against this uh, Texans defense.
0: Yeah, I like Deonta Foreman quite a bit. Um I, I assume Derrick Henry is not gonna play here. I know it's a must-win game, but really they don't need him, I don't think, to to win this game against the Houston Texans, and obviously letting him rest up this week, securing the number one seed, the bye, and then having him fresh, ready to go for the second round of the playoffs, I think makes a lot more sense for the Tennessee Titans. So I do like Deontay Foreman quite a bit coming off a game with 26 touches last week. Mike, how do you feel about the Titans side? AJ Brown is 7K. We see the price drop down a little bit, and because of what we spoke about on Tuesday, I think he's always in play in GPPs.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm going we be talking about A.J. Brown here because I do like him. I'm pretty confident I'm going to play him in at least one. Um, I think it's very similar to Justin Jefferson, frankly. They, they both obviously have a ton of upside, should have a ton of opportunity. I don't expect Derrick Henry to play. There's 0% chance he would if I was in charge of anything. I'm obviously not, but there's no chance he would play in this game if I was in charge of it. Uh, But I like A.J. Brown here. I think it's a great spot. You get a little bit of a discount from Justin Jefferson. It's enough that it's not as prohibitive in your lineup. And there are scenarios here where the game is more competitive than I think it might be. This Texas team has been pretty good about playing competitive football games. Mm -hmm. They're on the road, the Titans are. So yeah, A.J. Brown in tournaments, I think people will be pretty scared off of him after last week's performance uh, and just all the other options, especially at the position this week. So I love A.J. Brown in tournaments. Let me, Frank, let me just point out one thing. I think you see
1: a 10-point spread here. You think Houston Texans... They're awful. Like, they're really not. This is not like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. This is actually a team with a decent quarterback, with some decent receivers. Obviously, they have plenty of holes, but this is a team much like Detroit that's like trying really hard, but they're actually a little bit better than the Detroit Lions. So, I agree with the sentiment that this is probably a pretty good time to get back in on A.J. Brown. It could be a bit of a back and forth. You may not have Tennessee blowing them out for two or three quarters. So, And, and for the record, the, the, what I'm hearing about D- Derrick Henry is, it, it, in spite of the fact that he is being activated off IR, I, I'm pretty sure the percentage chance that he plays this week is like close to 1%. So I think it's really getting him back for the first round of, of their playoffs is is where they're at with him.
0: Yeah, and just to piggyback off your comments for the Houston Texans, Davis Mills has something to play for here. He's trying to earn, whether it's a starting job for next year for the Texans, a backup job with them, so he has something to play for, and Brandon Cooks has been pretty good with him. So Cooks is at 6,300. Mike, do you like correlating this game, a mini stack here, maybe playing a Brandon Cooks? I will point out, there's an article over on Establish the Run where they they point out all of the, the milestones and the, and the bonuses that people are chasing Rex Burkhead needs 103 total yards to earn a $125,000 bonus. So he's had 17 plus touches in three straight games. He's only 5,200. Thought I'd mention the name.
2: Yeah, I mean, they might love Rex Burkhead in the organization enough to try and get him that bonus. I don't know if that's true or not. But what I wanted to say here was, uh, if I play A.J. Brown, you would think you you might want to run Brandon Cooks on the bringback. I do. But I tell you, the only scenario I'm actually playing A.J. Brown is... I'm going to use a Davis-Mills lineup. It's going to be Mills, two cooks, and then A.J. Brown is going to be the bringback. I think that's probably the best way to get exposure to it because, in my opinion, outside of an isolated 75-yard touchdown, like at the start of drive, you're going to need – The other side to be really good for A.J. Brown to really pay off. So that's the way I'm looking to do it. I don't have a ton of interest in stacking Ryan Tannehill. So A.J. Brown, when I use him, will actually be the bring back and I'll probably have a Mills lineup.
1: And the last thing on that, Frank, real quick, is that you might be looking at the total and it's only 43 and you're like, oh, that's kind of low. Well, all the totals are right around 43 with with like one or two exceptions that approach 50 but are nowhere close to 50 uh, realistically. So this is I mean, if you were going to stack a game, this isn't my favorite game. But to Mike's point, like this is a game where you might get some action here that people are just going to ignore. And and in GPPs, that's kind of where you want to be.
0: And I know we just spoke glowingly about the Houston Texans, but I still do like the Titans defense in this spot. So if you're playing Deontay Foreman, I like stacking the defense up there. 3,300 over on DraftKings. Next up, we have the Steelers at Ravens. The Ravens are six-point favorites with a 41.5-point total. 32 degrees here, some possible light rain, so keep that in mind. Uh, Pay attention to it on Sunday morning to see where that's at. Both teams still have a shot at the playoffs, and each of them needs to win, and they need a few other things to happen, but I I think they're going to be going all out here. I think this is a competitive game. Obviously, AFC North matchup, teams don't like each other, storied rivalry. I I think both teams are playing hard in this spot. Deontay Johnson, probably the biggest news of the slate so far, placed on the COVID list Thursday, uh, which I'm pretty sure secures that he's going to be out this week, unless Somehow it was a false positive. Cornerback Joe Hayden was placed on the COVID list on Wednesday. On the Ravens side, Lamar Jackson did not practice on Wednesday. I haven't seen Thursday. I assume it's not going well for him. He's practiced just one time over the past 24 days for the Baltimore Ravens. And I believe that practice had him limping around or something. So (laughs) at this point, uh, not looking good for Lamar Jackson. And I love this game. I love targeting this game. Deontay Johnson out means that we have value, whether you want to play Chase Claypool, you want to play Ray Ray McLeod. McLeod is only 3,800. He has uh, eight plus targets in three of the last four games. And Mike, you brought up Najee Harris on Tuesday's podcast. I think you have to like him even more now. He's coming off a game with 31 touches. We know Ben likes to throw these short passes. A lot of those usually go to Deontay Johnson. I think Najee Harris sees even more targets
2: yeah, I do think this could be a spot that Najee Harris, we see that target volume really spike again. Like, It's not going to shock me at all if we see double-digit targets for Najee. Uh, a lot of it, too, is that the Ravens actually aren't horrible on the run defense. I know some of the metrics will argue that they're really good. Some will not. Um, I don't think they're bad on the run defense, and not having Deontay Johnson out there certainly will help the run defense a little bit as well. So I I like Najee again, uh, and I think it'll be through those short passes. Um, I do like Ray-Ray McLeod, you can mention James Washington, more of a down the field threat, which is a little concerning, Um, just with the state of Big Ben, not having Deontay Johnson to take pressure off and um, potentially weather in the game. So Ray-Ray McLeod's going to be my preferred pass catcher in this game, but I could definitely have him in the same lineup as Najee Harris.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I prefer Ray-Ray McLeod over Chase Claypool. I know some people are going to say, well, Claypool's only 5,100 and he has all this upside. Well, I mean, we've said that all year about the upside for Chase Claypool. The truth is, Ben does not like to throw the ball deep. He doesn't trust his offensive line. He's throwing the ball short. He's getting rid of it quickly, and that doesn't bode well for Chase Claypool. It also wouldn't surprise me if, while the Ravens secondary has been vulnerable the past couple of weeks, they send more defensive attention towards Chase Claypool and try and dare other players to to beat them here in this spot. See, what do you think about the Steelers set?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I think Najee Harris is not a guy I would have really thought about too much, but especially with Deontay out in and, and this particular situation, it seems like Najee Harris will be the go-to. I also agree with Ray-Ray McLeod. I, I don't think I'll have them both running in the same lineup necessarily, but Listen, Ray Ray McLeod runs all that underneath stuff. And Ben really only gives himself about two seconds post-snap to to get the ball out, which again, to your point, Frank, is why Chase Claypool is kind of irrelevant unless there's some sort of busted coverage. I mean, he will take one or two shots to Chase Claypool, but it hasn't been working out. So Claypool is very much a boomer bust option where I actually think Ray Ray McLeod is the opposite. I think in this particular game, he has a pretty good floor. And I think some of those Deontay Johnson targets, yes, they'll go to Najee, but I think a lot of them will also go to Ray, Ray McLeod.
0: See, regardless of who the quarterback is for the Ravens, I'm expecting it to be Tyler Huntley. He's 5,700 over on DraftKings. I do like playing him, and I like stacking him with Mark Andrews. I know the price point is high. It's 7,500, the highest price he's been all season, the highest price tight end on the slate. However, Mark Andrews needs 141 yards for the single-season tight end record. I don't know how much teams actually pay attention to this stuff. I mean, I think it's in the back of their mind somewhat. Uh but yeah, like even if they don't make the playoffs, if they can say they got Mark Andrews's record, I I think that's something that they would like to do. So, I know the price is high, see it, but I I do like stacking Huntley with Andrews in the spot.
1: I like Huntley a lot actually, and especially at home, especially against this Pittsburgh defense. I think Huntley to Mark Andrews makes sense. I think you could maybe consider Marquise Brown, even though the production really hasn't been there. I also think Rashad Bateman at 4,900 makes plenty of sense. I think a stack of Huntley to Bateman or a stack of Huntley to Mark Andrews uh, makes sense. So I'm definitely going to be peppering in Bateman. I've noticed over the last four weeks, his target share, his snap share has really steadily climbed and and sort of flattened out in a good way to a very high percentage. He seems to be outproducing even Marquise Brown, although I think there's going to be a back and forth with that. So... Yeah, I'm probably, probably out on Marquise Brown, even though I acknowledge the upside. I do like Andrews, and I do like Bateman.
0: Bateman has played over 80% of the snaps three weeks in a row, so that's much higher than where it was earlier on in the season. I think there was a tweet or some kind of chirping from Marquise Brown about not being involved recently or, or lack of production. So if you're about the squeaky wheel getting the oil, then I I think that could happen here for Marquise Brown. Mike, what do you think about potentially stacking Tyler Huntley? And if so, which pass catcher do you like most?
2: Yeah, if I stack him, it's probably going to be Rashad Bateman uh, at his price tag. I think he's going to see double-digit targets again against this defense. Um, I I love Mark Andrews. The price point's a little prohibitive. I do think they try and get him the record. The good news is, is they won't be actively trying to get him the record. They'll just simply be trying to win the football game. And his success and them winning this game, they're pretty highly correlated. So I like him. I think he's got a ton of upside. I think the problem with him becomes, it becomes pretty difficult to get him, Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor all in the same lineup. Uh, So you do have to pick two of the three, but I do like the scenario of picking two of the three. And then I do like the scenario where you use him as a fourth wide receiver and still play Zach Ertz at the tight end spot just for some differentiation.
0: Yeah, I do think, if you're going to fade someone of the of those three, you want to play Mark Andrews, I think you fade Jonathan Taylor and you play Andrews with Tyler Huntley and Najee Harris. So you get about a $2,000 yeah. saving off of Jonathan Taylor to Najee Harris, and obviously you have a lower price quarterback, so it, it makes things easier to fill out the rest of your lineup. The Bengals at the Browns yuck the Browns are six point favorites here with a 38 point total the Bengals have a slight chance at the number one seed but clearly they're not going for it here Joe Burrow will not play in this game Joe Mixon is on the COVID list he will also not play in this game CJ Uzama did not practice on the Brown side Baker Mayfield will not play Denzel Ward Malik Jackson and David Njoku did not practice Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt to Davion Clowney, all limited. The Browns are decimated right now. Dearness Johnson also placed on the COVID list Tuesday. He has a chance to play in this game, but just lots of injuries, lots of star players not playing here in this spot. No Baker, no Burrow. That means your quarterback matchup is Case Keenum against Brandon Allen. It is quite bad here. Uh, see you with no Joe Mixon. It looks like Samaj P. Ryan is likely to be the lead back at 5,300. But it would not surprise me if Chris Evans is involved.
1: Exactly. And which is why I'm just not interested in really anything on that side. I mean, I, this game, like you said, it, it's kind of just move along. Because even the game, even some of the games that don't have any import, like you you pointed out, the Vikings game, there's plenty more upside in those games than this one. So this one is just, I, I'm just sweeping it under the rug. The one guy I want to point out, will have to wait on some injury reports and some COVID news. But if Chubb and Kareem Hunt are out for some reason, I mean, I I don't know why you'd play Chubb much in this game or Kareem Hunt, for that matter. I think Dearness Johnson at 4,800 would potentially make some sense as just a a savings. And we've seen him flash before. Outside of that, in this entire game, there's just nobody I'm interested in.
0: There's a chance that all three running backs are out. See if he can't clear concussion protocols and uh, concussion COVID protocols. But... If that happens, Demetric Felton is the next man up, and he is min price at 4K. On the Bengal, the rest of the Bengals side, Jamar Chase is 45 yards away from the single season rookie record, but he's also 8,300, and I just don't expect him to play much in this spot. Mike, what do you think about this entire game, Browns and Bengals?
2: Yeah, I don't think you can really get there unless you wanted to take a shot on cheap Browns wide receivers. Um, you know, after Jarvis Landry, basically. Uh, I think that they're fine. You know, Keenum's shown that he's not the worst quarterback in the NFL. Like the drop from Baker to Case Keenum is honestly, it's not not significant really at all. Um, it's the, the motivation is the question. You know, do they want to go win? Are they just trying to get in, get out? Um, that's the only thing that I could see is some of those backup wide receivers that, that might get some extra looks. They might be real thin. Uh, Demetric Felton. In play if all three of the others are out, or at least two of the three. Um, But yeah, mostly off the game. No chance on the Bengals' side.
0: All right, well, the last game of the early slate is the Washington football team at the Giants. And Washington football team are seven-point favorites here, 38-point total. Absolutely no motivation in the spot unless Joe Judge wants to keep his job. It sounds like he's going to keep his job anyway, which I just cannot understand for the life of me. I hope for Giants fans' sake, I have a lot of Giants fans friends and I hope that they they make changes here because the GM, the coach, it's just, it's not working. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, The only other thing regarding this game, I saw Ron Rivera say that he wants to play the youngsters a little bit more. So I don't know who that refers to. Maybe it's Deami Brown and, and our buddy, John Bates, but outside of that, I'm not sure. Antonio Gibson was back at practice on a limited basis. Ricky Seals, Jones, Curtis Samuel, and Montez Sweat all did not practice for the Giants, offensive linemen Andrew Thomas and Will Hernandez did not practice. Uh, Kadarius Tony I saw Thursday, also did not practice. Mike Lennon will not play, which means Jake, Jake Fromm will get the start here, start the Washington football team defense at 3,100. That's all I'll say there. See, the only player I really have any interest in in this game is your boy, John Bates. He's 3K. He's cheap. He played a bunch of snaps last week. He ran a bunch of routes. And I think he could see five or six targets. So I think he's in play.
1: I have a sore spot for John Bates, so I'm (laughs) going to agree with you there. I I don't really see much of an argument against him other than the fact that I just wonder how much back and forth and how much passing is going to be in this game. I'll say this. I'll keep it really short. I think John Bates is a good value. I think Jared Patterson is somebody you you kind of need to consider against this Giants defense. And I think he would correlate really well with that Washington defense. I thought last week, and this is why I wasn't on Patterson. I thought Jonathan Williams would mix in a little bit more, especially on with the the receiving work. It just really didn't happen. And with Ron Rivera telling us that he wants to kind of see the younger guys, I mean, it's it's Jared Patterson, and that should be kind of the game plan. Last week 17 touches, 98 yards, and he caught five balls. So I'm I'm very much interested in Jared Patterson, especially if I'm playing the Washington defense.
0: Mike, it's John Bates or bust for me. Nothing on the Giants side. They threw the ball eleven times for twenty four yards last week, and now Jake Fromm is starting.
2: Yeah, I've got nothing on this game. Uh pretty comfortably crossed this one off. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Don't be sorry, please. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing. (laughs) Uh, Before we hit the break, we want to remind you you want to play against us on DraftKings this week. You can do exactly that. We have a $5 contest, 150 entries. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you'd like to join up. And if you've enjoyed the content this year, if we've helped you win some money, Please feel free to give us a five-star rating wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really, really appreciate it. We're gonna take a quick break and the early slate is done. We have the afternoon slate coming up here on Fantasy Football Today DFS.
1: I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively
2: looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
0: All right, so let's start off the afternoon slate with some heavy hitters, really important games here. And uh, starting with the Seahawks at the Cardinals, the Cardinals are six and a half point favorites with a 48 point total. The Cardinals can win the NFC West with a win and a Rams loss to the San Francisco 49ers. They're playing at the same time, so I don't know how much scoreboard watching there'll be, but the Cardinals need to win this game regardless. And for the Seahawks, safety Quandre Diggs plus two offensive linemen, Ethan Posich and Gabe Jackson did not practice. DK Metcalf was limited in practice. Chase Edmonds, he missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday. James Conner and Rondell Moore were limited. Mike, we'll start with you. If Chase Edmonds is out, James Conner is 6,300 over on DraftKings would he vault up to one of the top plays on the slate or are you still worried about all the injuries Connor has been dealing with?
2: Uh, I mean, I think there's a little bit of concern, but uh, if we get a scenario where there's only one of the two Arizona backs active, no matter which one it is, uh, that's one I'll be playing. Uh, just the, the way that they use them and the opportunity that's there and the price points, like neither one of the price points is super prohibitive. So Whichever one plays, if there's only one of the two playing, that's the one I'm interested in. I treat them pretty equally where they're at. But I I like either one, whichever one All
0: right. Uh, see, are you looking to maybe stack Kyler Murray and the Cardinals here in this spot? Again, must-win game for them. He's 7,400, and he's been running a little bit more recently. And his pass catchers are affordable. You know, they're they're not egregious. Uh, Christian Kirk is 6K. AJ Green is 5,400. He needs 75 receiving yards and 10 receptions for two different bonuses in this spot. And then Zach Ertz is 5,300. What do you think about stacking the Cardinals?
1: I love stacking the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, first of all, you have a really high implied point total. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this has got to be the highest one on the slate, right? At over 27.
0: I um, will look that up for you right now.
1: Pretty sure it is. And And with that said in a in a game, I love that they're putting all the NFC West games at the four o'clock hour. And I think that would be four. They're both at 425. So, you you know, one could have been at 405 and one could have been at 425 where you could do a little, maybe a little bit more uh, scoreboard watching. But yeah, I, I just, I think Kyler Murray with a lot of these past guys, I think Christian Kirk makes a lot of sense. Now, the problem that people are having with Christian Kirk is they haven't really seen a huge game because he hasn't scored a touchdown since three games ago, but He's getting all the targets. The last three games, he's got nine targets, nine targets, and 12 targets. So clearly he's a target machine. And and by the way, you mentioned that Kyler Murray's starting to play a little bit better. He's he's scrambling a little bit more, a few more design rushes, but also the completion percentage is going up as well. So this is really kind of a perfect time for there to be a coming out party for Kyler Murray. So Christian Kirk, Zach Ertz, that's who I have my eye on. I think if you wanted to go crazy, you could maybe throw in Wesley, who appears to have more touchdown equity than, than some of these other receivers. I mean, it's kind of random, obviously, but you know his snap share might not be ideal, but that's somebody to consider at 4,100. Um, Outside of that, I'm not really interested other than whoever the running back is, like Mike said.
0: The Cardinals have the third highest implied total on the slate behind the Colts and the Bills. So they're right up there of 27.25 is the team total that I see here for the Arizona Cardinals. I agree with you. I think my favorite is Kyler to Zach Ertz. The targets have been there. The price isn't terrible at 5,300. It's a strong matchup against the Seahawks as well. Mike, are you looking to stack the Cardinals? And if so... Anybody on the Seahawks side that you'd like to bring it back with?
2: Uh, For me, no. It's going to be Cardinals, Onslaughts, no Seahawks, personally. uh, But I love Kyler Murray. Um, Basically, everything I'm going to play this week is going to be Kyler Murray. The only other – there's two other quarterbacks that I'll be using. Uh, The other one will be Matthew Stafford in one, and then Davis Mills. I'll have one Davis Mills lineup. Everything else is going to be Kyler Murray – and then Matthew Stafford, and then we could potentially late swap, but the majority of my lineups are going to be players in the afternoon slate waiting to take advantage of the late swaps based on the results of Saturday's game and then the early slate because it can change some of the motivations for some of those players.
0: All right, let's move on over to the other NFC West matchup. That is the 49ers at the Rams. The Rams are four-and-a-half-point favorites with a a 44-and-a-half-point total. The Rams win the NFC West with a win here and uh, the 49ers on the other side, they're going to be going all out because they need to win to get into the playoffs. They also need a Saints loss. The Saints game also going on at the same time here in the afternoon slate. So again, a lot going on, but both the Rams and 49ers need to win this game. Uh, Well, technically the Rams don't need to win the game, but if they want to win the NFC West, which they should then they need to uh, win in this spot. Cooper Cup, we know he's chasing records. He needs 12 receptions and 136 yards to break each of those records. The reception record, the receiving yardage record here, uh, and I think that just within the flow of the game, he, he's probably going to come close to both of those milestones regardless. For the 49ers, offensive lineman Trent Williams and running back Eli Mitchell did not practice. Jimmy Garoppolo was limited. And For the Rams, safety Nick Scott was limited. Cam Akers, full participant in practice. Uh, let's start with Cooper Cup. He's 9,700, the highest price player over on DraftKings, the highest price player on the slate. And this is the highest he's been all season long. See ya. I don't think it matters. I think we're probably just jamming him in regardless.
1: Yeah, we're jamming him in regardless. I think I, I, I like Cooper Cup a good amount. That price, it, I'll say this. I would be more willing to fade him if I have to than Jonathan Taylor. So just take that for what it's worth. If you wanted to stack Jonathan Taylor for example with I don't know Mark Andrews or or you know Najee Harris or some or you have a high price quarterback I'd be more willing to take the chance on dropping Cooper Cup, but I I hate it, which is why I'm going to be playing Cooper Cup in almost every line. I mean, I'm just saying that because people might be having that debate with themselves Sunday morning, uh, early afternoon. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, I like Cup. I like Odell Beckham a lot, too. I don't really like any other pass catchers. That includes Tyler Higbee. Van Jefferson, you know, he's really kind of dropped off. Skronik is actually taking some of that target share from him. So to me, there's really no reason if, if you wanted to stack Stafford, I think you could stack him. With Sony Michelle. I understand Cam Akers is back and Cooper Cup, or, you know, most people would want to just do it with Stafford and Cup or Stafford with Cup and Beckham. I think they're all in play.
0: I actually don't mind Tyler Higbee. He's only 4K and he has six plus targets in three straight games. He had nine targets last week. He's played over 90% of the snaps back to back weeks. So at his price point, Given this game, you know higher total expected to be competitive. I don't. I don't mind Tyler Higby in this spot. Uh, Mike, when it comes to the running back situation, Cam Akers is 4700. I don't think they were actually looking at playing him, but there's a chance that he's involved. And if he's involved, what does that do to Sony Michelle, who is 6K over on DraftKings?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely hurts Sonny Michelle just a little bit. We have to really monitor what that looks like. I'm still kind of skeptical. I, I'm just – I can't believe that Akers is ready to play and they, they want to rush him out in this situation. Like, it, you know, it's a game they obviously want to win. Like, they obviously want to win it. But, like, it seems – a little questionable that they want to rush him back in here. So I'll monitor it. I think you could take a chance on it. I think that if you're doing it, though, you're not taking a chance on playing Cam Akers. You're taking the chance on just jamming Sonny Michelle still and hoping that Cam Akers doesn't actually see the football field. Um, So that's my take and advice on it. Uh, There's no chance I'd play Akers a little bit on Sonny Michelle and I think you could take the stance on just jamming Sonny Michelle in because I can't envision a scenario where Akers just comes in and takes more than maybe four or five snaps.
0: All right, Mike, let's stick with you here. On the 49ers side, it's kind of hard to forecast things right now. We don't know exactly who the quarterback is going to be, but let's say say Jimmy G is the quarterback and he's in. Does that make you more likely to play Debo Samuel, who is 8,500, and or George Kittle at 6,700?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I mean, I think that he's a better passing option. They're going to see more targets that way. So yeah, I'm certainly interested there. Uh, I can tell you, I'll probably have one lineup that's going to have Kittle and Ertz both in it. Uh, Just love the double tight ends for some differentiation. So I I like both of them. I don't think many people are going to play George Kittle this week. Uh, I think he's going to kind of really be the odd man out, especially if we don't have real confirmation on the quarterback soon. But yeah. yeah, I, I like George Kittle this week. I think it's a really good saw, really good spot to buy in on him. See,
0: what about if Jimmy G does not play? Trey Lance is 5,500. Would you consider playing him? This is obviously a much much tougher matchup than he was dealing with last week.
1: Yeah, this is a tougher matchup. I would consider playing him, but I'm not as excited about it this week. I mean, honestly, I didn't think he looked that impressive. He scored a, a good amount of points, and he probably should have had another touchdown on top of it. But it, at the Rams... Uh, I don't love it uh, if I'm making you know six or seven lineups he's probably in one of them because I might want the savings but I'd rather go to cheaper options like Tyler Huntley who I mean he's not cheaper than Trey Lance but somewhat cheap options like Tyler Huntley I'm a little bit more interested than Trey Lance. Let's
0: see a last thing that I'll throw at you here Eli Mitchell he is 6K same price as Sony Michelle and he had 23 touches last week including a receiving touchdown who do you like more at the at same price Eli Mitchell or Sony Michelle
1: Yeah, if this it's a good question. It's really close. I would probably go with Sony Michelle though.
0: All right. Mike, I know you gotta bounce. You've got uh obligations elsewhere. So your cheat sheet. Let's uh let's get that before
2: before we uh before we get you out of here. All right. Cheat sheet. I am kind of stealing one from you because I don't have any other value yet. It's Ray Ray McLeod. Um I'll mention just you could put Steelers wide receivers because that that's where it's going to be for me. Chalk play going to be Jonathan Taylor. Um, no surprise here, really. Mentioned earlier in the show, I'm actually playing Jonathan Taylor this week. Uh, I'm expecting huge things from him, uh, especially as they get a lead, kind of ice the game away contrarian play aj brown i don't think enough people are going to play aj brown especially after last week love the controlled dome environment division game still i think it's a good spot for aj brown and then my stack i'm going matthew stafford to cooper cup really love this spot for the rams just like i do on the other side with the cardinals i think these two teams both end up winning these games i think they put up quite a few points and i really really love the spot obviously how can you not when cooper cup is the guy catching passes
0: all right, yeah, going to Matt Stafford. I think yeah, you might get his ownership lower than we're used to seeing because he's played quite poorly recently. So, uh, yeah, look to stack Stafford there with Cooper Cup Mike. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. See you later, man. See you, Mike. All right, see. Let's move on over to the Panthers at the Bucks. The Bucks are eight point favorites with a forty one and a half point total. The Bucks can't end up lower than the number four seed in the NFC. But if they win this game and the Rams lose. Tampa moves up to the number two seed and I know Bruce Arians has talked about home field advantage and and that it means a lot to them. So I, I think they'll be playing somewhat in this game. I don't know. Maybe in the second half they rest a little bit. Uh, also Brady and Gronk, they're chasing a few different things here. Brady needs a 488 passing yards for the single season record. I don't think that he's going to get there. Gronk needs seven catches, 85 yards, and three touchdowns for three different bonuses. So, Obviously, the touchdowns, not realistic, but you know, seven catches, 85 yards. Yeah, I think that's possible for uh, Rob Gronkowski. Mike Evans needs 54 yards for 1,000 yards in eight straight seasons. For the Panthers, center Matt Paradis was placed on the COVID list Monday. He has a chance to play. Cornerback Stephon Gilmore placed on the COVID list Thursday. He will not play. Uh, Terrace Marshall was placed on injured reserve. Robbie Anderson did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Shaq Barrett is out for week 18. Ronald Jones, Jason Pierre-Paul, and center Ryan Jensen did not practice. Mike Evans, I just saw, was a full participant in practice on Thursday. Antonio Brown officially released. And this back and forth, Sia, has been so interesting to read. Antonio Brown's side of the story. Now the Bucs are responding to him. I don't know. It's just a bunch of finger pointing. I, I guess we'll never know the truth. But um, it, it, it would not surprise me if the Bucks tried to force him to play through injury, which... Really is not fair. Anyway, Antonio Brown saga is over for now. We'll see. You know, I think he's actually going to play again in the NFL because of this, but whatever. We'll see what happens. Um, what do you think? What do you think when it comes to the Bucks side of things here? We'll, we'll start. Uh, I don't think that we are going to see Ronald Jones this week. Obviously, Tom Brady they're, and Gronk, they're they're chasing some things. Mike Evans as well. I think Cyril Grayson, he's 4400 He's really cheap. Came through with a massive clutch touchdown last week. And I think Tom Brady pays attention to things like that. So uh, any Bucks that you're targeting here?
1: Yeah, it would probably be Cyril Grayson. I think we need some more clarity on the Tampa Bay running back situation to really kind of dive in on that. This is an interesting game because as low as the total is, the implied total for Tampa Bay is pretty high. And and Cyril Grayson appears to be sort of taking that Antonio Brown role. So, that's good news. You know, you got Mike Evans on one side, assuming he's healthy, and you got Cyril Grayson on the other at 4,400. It makes a lot of sense, which means that for me, you know, I've never really – I haven't been on Tyler Johnson this year. Tyler Johnson's out. I think a Bashad Perryman dart is interesting only because nobody's going to play him at 5K. It's just something to maybe consider. Uh, I don't think I'm interested, given all the other stacks that we like in stacking this game uh, especially with the receiver core being kind of banged up like it is. I don't think I'm going to get there on Gronkowski. So I'll probably take a shot at Cyril Grayson and whoever I think the the healthy running back is. If it's Le'Veon Bell, uh, I might end up shying away from that, though.
0: Yeah, I th- think I saw Keyshawn Vaughn was a full participant in practice. So if Rojo is no out, I think Vaughn sees you know, m- maybe not a workhorse type role, but you know, sixty forty to Le'Veon Bell, which, you know, at 5,300 in this offense, that, that's, that's valuable. So, yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, is a name to pay attention to. I mm-hmm. like Brady to Gronk, just with the narratives floating around. You know, Brady's still trying to chase the MVP. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's hard to get to. So I, I see what you're talking about there. Anything on the Panthers' side? See ya. TJ Moore is
1: 5,800. <laughs> it's just such a strong no. I, I don't know what to say. It's just no. If you plan on stacking the Brady side, I truly wouldn't bring it back. I think if you wanted to take a dart throw, it would definitely be with Robbie Anderson. And you just hope that you know he gets loose. I mean, he has been getting work the, the last half of the season. So it's something to consider at 4,500, either as a dart throw or as a, as a bring back. But I, I'm not going to be doing that. I'll tell you that right now.
0: I will say in larger tournaments, I think a Brady double stack is going to be pretty different. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to allow you to get up to the Cups and Jonathan Taylor's of the world. So if you want to go Brady with Gronk and Mike Evans, if he just condenses the target share to those guys, I think there is a lot of upside. So if you're playing in bigger tournaments, I, I think it's something you actually could consider. Or,
1: yeah, if you want to save the money and do Gronk and a double stack with Cyril Grayson, I mean, that would make sense as well. I mean, I I, uh, I don't hate that because you're right, not a lot of people are going to do it. Would it be in my primary... One single entry, no. But if I was doing five, I would at least consider one of them being, you know, the best quarterback of all time, arguably, uh, in in one of those stacks.
0: Is it really arguable? We'll see it, come
1: on. I, I only say that to just, you know, just a little jab at all the uh, Patriots and Tom Brady fans. But no, it's probably not arguable. <laughs> we, that's that's a conversation for another podcast. But there's a couple candidates in there, including Aaron Rodgers, that I think if we're just going on talent, uh, I think you could make the argument for a couple of other people.
0: Well, it, it, the, the honest truth to you is just that we haven't seen Zach Wilson's career play out yet, so we've got...
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is premature. we got to give it at least 5 to 10 years on Zach Wilson. You're right.
0: Uh, all right, speaking of those Jets, let's see what they can do. They're at the Bills this week. The Bills are 16-point favorites with a 41-point total. The Bills are in the playoffs, but they win the AFC East with a win or a Patriots loss. This game is going on at the same time as the Patriots, uh, so we'll see what happens there. Stefan Diggs needs six receptions for a $1.5 million bonus. We've talked about a few other bonuses. None of them were over a million dollars. So I think Stefan Diggs has a floor of at least six receptions here in this spot. For the Jets, Elijah Moore was on a side field Thursday, unlikely to play in this spot. Michael Carter was at practice with a non-contact jersey. He needs to be cleared from concussion protocol on Friday to have a chance to play in this game. Jameson Crowder was limited in practice. Braxton Berrios did not practice. And uh, for the Bills, Emmanuel Sanders did not practice either. Uh, see, I mentioned Stephon Diggs. I worry a little bit about the Bills because if they have a big lead at halftime, I could see them resting their starters here in the second half. And the cost is still pretty prohibitive. Josh Allen is 8100 Stephon Diggs is up there at 7800 So what do you think about the Bills side in this game?
1: Man, the Diggs thing is is really interesting because while I think you're right that, you know, stacking Josh Allen may not make a a, a lot of sense. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's a bad move, but with this type of point spread and, and what they might be doing in the second half here, you can, I mean, am I wrong? You can pretty much lock in Stefan Diggs for six recep- receptions, right? I mean, I, it, I think so. Yeah. It's a one and a half mil to your point. This isn't like 300,000, which of course is a lot of money too. But like the bonuses that we've been talking about, this is five times that, or, you know, you know, twice that depending on what bonus we're talking about. And Diggs kind of gets that production anyway, even in blowout games. So, and Buffalo needs to win. I mean, I'm not saying you should stack Diggs with Josh Allen. What I am saying is you can lock in Stefan Diggs outside of an injury for six to eight receptions and how many of those receptions will result in a touchdown? You know what I'm saying? Like it, like the touchdown equity is pretty high against the Jets. So it wouldn't shock me at all if Stefan Diggs has a stat line of one or two touchdowns, you know, seven catches and, you know, 89 yards or something like that. So I, I like Stefan Diggs, even without the Josh Allen stack. I think you can just pull Stefan Diggs from that game if you wanted to. I think what a lot of people are going to do is they're going to pull Devin Singletary from that game, which I wouldn't argue with either. But wow, how different would you be if you got all the touchdown production from Stefan Diggs while everybody else was playing Devin Singletary's volume? But he unfortunately, you know, for them, doesn't get the touchdown. So I think that's an interesting way to approach your tournaments.
0: All right, Stephon Diggs, uh, earlier this season when he faced the Jets, he actually had the best game of the season. Eight catches for 162 yards and one touchdown. See, if you had to guess where Stefan Diggs ranks in the NFL in red zone targets, what would you guess?
1: Where he ranks in red zone targets, I would say he's eighth? Second.
0: Second oh, wow. in the NFL. He has 32 red zone targets on the season behind only... Cooper Cup he's ahead of Devontae Adams he's ahead of Keenan Allen he's ahead of Justin Jefferson so you're right how many of those catches are gonna go for touchdowns he is used in that part of the field. oh my
1: gosh I can't believe he's ahead of Devontae Adams that's actually shocking to me
0: yeah yeah that's crazy so uh anything else in this game I know you mentioned uh Devin Singletary he's 6k used him last week he has 17 plus touches in three straight me personally I'm not looking at anything on the Jets side
1: No, I mean, obviously most people are going to be like, well, what about Braxton Berrios? I think Berrios is a fine play at 4,900 as a, you know, just a standalone play or a bring back or part of a skinny stack. The only thing about Berrios is I know, and you might've mentioned this, I'm not sure. I just saw that, that Berrios was limited or he might've sat out of practice today with some sort of quad injury may not be a big deal. I know Berrios would want to play in this game, but that's definitely something to monitor. But given his target share over the last few weeks, Uh, Even if he doesn't get the touchdowns that he got last week, because we know those can be, there's a lot of variance when it comes to touchdowns. He got two of them, but take that away. He still caught eight of 12 touchdowns target. So if he's going to get double-digit targets, then at 4900 he's good whether he gets in the end zone or not. So he's obviously somebody to consider.
0: Yeah, he did not practice Wednesday, and I'm just seeing now didn't practice Thursday either, dealing with that quad injury. I worry a little bit because they jacked up the price now, and Jamison Crowder looks like he's going to return. So how much does Mm. that actually take away from Braxton Berrios in this spot? Next up, we have the Saints at the Falcons. The Saints are four and a half point favorites with a 40-point total, and the Saints need to win this game, and they need the 49ers to lose which is very possible against the Rams Uh, and if those things happen the Saints will make the playoffs Uh, in terms of a record here Kyle Pitts needs 59 yards for the single season rookie tight end record so uh, he returned to practice on Thursday I think there's a chance that Kyle Pitts is chasing that in this spot. For the Saints, uh, offensive lineman Teron Armstead, defensive end Marcus Davenport, and cornerback Bradley Roby did not practice. Mark Ingram and Trey Kwan-Smith were limited. I mentioned Kyle Pitts back out there on Thursday. At At the top, we have Alvin Kamara. He's 8,300 in a must-win game. He had 18 touches last week, five receptions. But I think if Mark Ingram is back, see, I just cannot get all the way up there to Alvin Kamara.
1: I agree. If Mark Ingram is back, I I can't get there either. I'm not sure I would have gotten there in the first place, considering all the other guys we like, like Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup and maybe Mark Andrews, guys like that. So, yeah, the only the only guy I'm interested here on really in this game. Well, I shouldn't say in this game on the Saints side is probably Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill is just as a standalone you could play him naked at 6200 he, he does offer some savings off some of the higher priced running backs or <laughs> that was a slip but it like that <laughs> is a running back right um off some of the other uh quote air quotes for those of you watching on YouTube uh quarterbacks I think Taysom Hill is a fine play, especially in a must win. I mean, he's definitely going to be going all out for this game. I could see him really racking up the rushing yards, and it wouldn't shock me if he passed for a touchdown or two. I think if you were going to just offer yourself a very contrarian stack, I mean, Marquez Callaway gets loose, especially against Atlanta's secondary. And I know A.J. Terrell is out there, but outside of A.J. Terrell, they don't really have anybody. And by the way, A.J. Terrell doesn't shadow, and even if he did, I don't know that they'd be like super high-focused on Marquez Callaway. But the point is... I could absolutely see Callaway getting loose here. He's not somebody I would play outside of a just random contrarian uh, Taysom Hill stack. But on that side of the ball, it's really just Taysom Hill or nothing. But I would at least consider in like a a 20 max or a big MME, a Taysom Hill to uh, Marquez Callaway, uh, just a small stack there.
0: Yeah, Marquez Callaway, only 5K. He has 97 or more yards and nine plus targets in two of the last three games for the Saints. Anything on the Falcon side here, see Sia. Kyle Pitts is 5,700. Russell Gage is 5,600.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think both of those guys are interesting. I wonder if I'm actually going to get there with either of them. I think I think they're fine plays. I, I like Gage a little bit. I like Pitts a little bit. And, and I think you can definitely pass the ball against... So if you were going to do a stack, bringing it back with one of those two makes sense. I would probably prefer to do it with Gage in spite of the narrative that, that we just spoke about. I just I like other tight ends just a little bit too much uh, uh, outside of uh, Kyle Pitts, like Zach Ertz, for example. We talked about Mark Andrews. Um, Bates, if you need to save the money. I don't think I'm going to get there with Pitts.
0: Lastly, I do like the Saints' DSC quite a bit. They are 3,400 on DraftKings. Last game here, Patriots at the Dolphins. The Patriots are 6.5-point favorites with a 40-point total. The Patriots are already in the playoffs. They can win the AFC East with a win and a Bills loss, which seems very... Very unlikely. Uh, the Pats could arrest players in the second half, much like the uh, the Buffalo Bills. So we'll see what happens there. Nelson Aguilar, Damian Harris, Jacoby Myers, Dante Hightower, and offensive lineman David Andrews and Isaiah Wynn, they were all limited in practice. And for the Dolphins, Preston Williams and defensive end Emmanuel Ogba were limited. Really, the only thing I'm looking at here, see, it, is if Damian Harris is out, because he's been limited and you know maybe they want to rest him up a little bit. I would like Ramondre Stevenson quite a bit at 5,900. And if one of the wide receivers for the Pats, Jacoby Myers or Nelson Aguilar, didn't play in this game, Christian Wilkerson is only 3,300. He caught two touchdowns last week. And he played really well in the preseason with Mac Jones as the quarterback. So I think there's something there. He's really cheap. But we need a few players to be ruled out in this game for me to have that interest.
1: Yeah, I don't really think I'm going to be interested in anybody here. I'll probably find value somewhere else. I think the Stevenson point is interesting, but the one thing I have to point out for a game that, correct me if I'm wrong and I'm forgetting, this game doesn't matter at all to the Patriots or they do have something to play for.
0: They If they win and the Bills lose, then they win the AFC East, but it's oh, of course. You know, the Bills are not likely to lose. Right, right.
1: Um, man, I, I, I think even if Damian Harris is out, I'm not so sure Stevenson, what, I mean, I could see them activating like JJ Taylor, for example. And in that second half that you spoke of where they're kind of resting players, it wouldn't shock me if Bolden and JJ Taylor got a little bit more work than, than maybe we anticipate. But if Damian Harris is out, like if he's not, if he's not active, I'll agree with you on Ramondre Stevenson. Obviously you know, at 5,900, he has plenty of upside. If he plays three quarters, uh, I mean, that's good for potentially one or two touchdowns in hundred yards.
0: All right, yeah, I'm going to assume you don't want anything on the Dolphins' side.
1: <laughs> that's that's accurate.
0: Yeah, all righty. Uh, great season for Jalen Waddle, but we can't do it here. In week 18, the Don Sneaky Picks. Unfortunately, we don't have the Dons, of the Don's audio today, but I do have his picks, and I can confirm, I've got the text messages to prove it, that he liked Ray Ray McLeod on Wednesday night, even before Deontay Johnson was on the COVID list. So Ray-Ray McLeod is one of the picks there. And Cyril Grayson, he actually does like quite a bit. So two cheaper wide receivers there. We've talked about both quite a bit. And if you're looking to save salary, I think both are in play. Again, McLeod and Cyril Grayson. The Week 18 Cheat Sheet, see ya. Your favorite value, chalk, contrarian, and stack of the week.
1: Yeah, I'm actually kind of writing it out now. Normally, I'm way more prepared, but with all of sort of the changing parts here, I'm a little bit unprepared, but I do have most of it written out here. It's just the contrarian play that I'm not so sure about at the moment. But let's start with the stack. Um, Tyler Huntley to Mark Andrews. I think you could do Tyler Huntley to Rashad Bateman or even Marquise Brown too. And I I do consider Bateman uh, a pretty good value play. He almost made my value play, but instead... For my value play, I'm going to agree with the Don. I'm going to go with Sewell Grayson. I think even, you know, this is one of those situations where Tom Brady needs to know who his second wide receiver is. Okay. So Mike Evans is number one. Godwin is out. Antonio Brown has now been cut. He needs to have confidence in these players. And I think he's, I, I think Grayson's probably the guy, but I don't think he knows that for sure. And I think Grayson's going to be integrated in this game plan like a Godwin or Antonio Brown would have been. So I think as a value play, Grayson makes a lot of sense. The chalk play, and I hope I'm not stealing yours because I'm not looking at yours right now, but it's Cooper Cup. Did I just steal yours?
0: You just stole it. How dare you? Nah, it's cool.
1: Oh, I did steal
0: it. Oh my God. <laughs> nah, it's, um, it's totally fine.
1: All right. Well, I I may um, for the actual cheat sheet that we put out, I may actually come up with with somebody different Um, and the contrarian play. You know what? I got to be honest with you. I I don't I'm not exactly sure how ownership percentages are going to pan out here for now. And we'll we'll, we'll send we'll send the cheat sheet out uh, probably tomorrow and I might change it. But for now, I'll probably go with Jared Patterson as a contrarian play, and it depends on his ownership. I I think he might be contrarian just because people are just going to avoid that game altogether. And all the better for a young running back that is going to be the running back one where Taylor Heineke is probably going to be handing the ball off uh, plenty against the New York Giants of all teams. So I, I kind of like him as a contrarian play.
0: All right. So I'm seeing some very early ownership projections and they have Jared Patterson down at three percent. So, yeah, I think that Definitely sure. would qualify as a contrarian play, and for me, the value. I am sticking with it. The Washington football team, John Bates, baby, break out the headband. He's only three K. If you're looking to save money at the tight end position, I think that he is the optimal play here on the slate. The chalk play for me was Cooper Cup at 9700. Uh, though I I do like Najee Harris quite a bit as well. I don't I don't know if the ownership is going to balloon to the point where he is a chalk play. I don't but, think it will.
1: I, I, I don't think it will. I'm actually, as you finish, I'm going to look at a different set of projections that um, that I usually consult with, but, but carry on. But I, I just don't think people are going to go there in that game because to most people, it's not as a high prior. even though it kind of is, it's not as high priority of a game as some of the other ones.
0: Plus, if you're if you're just talking about chalk plays for cash this week. If you play JT and Cooper Cup, you're not going to be able to get up to Najee Harris as your RB2, so Absolutely. keep that in mind. I'm seeing 10% on the ownership for, for Najee Harris, so uh, maybe maybe that actually drops a little bit over the course of the weekend. The contrarian play for me, and I think it's because Sony Michel is the same exact price tag, but I like Eli Mitchell at 6K. He, he gets the touches. It's an important game. Uh, I think as long as he's healthy, which we still have to see. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, I think that he's going to see... You know, high teens, maybe even 20 plus touches again. That is Eli Mitchell at 6K in the stack. I'm going with the chalk one here. It's Kyler Murray, 7,400 to Zach Ertz at 5,300. Kind of stole it from Mike and then he asked for it. I said he could have it. He went with the Rams anyway. Uh, (laughs) So I like Kyler Murray. He likes Stafford to cup. And of course, you mentioned he likes Tyler Huntley to Mark Andrews.
1: And let me tell you, Frank. And by the way, I love all of that, especially that. But any sort of Kyler Murray action, I think, is is very much in play this week. Uh, the ownership projections I'm seeing now. There's a qualifier here; he's under five percent on the ones that I'm looking at. However, that might be because they haven't caught up to the Deontay Johnson news quite yet. So I think well, I think those two things kind of work against each other. As Deontay Johnson's ownership goes down, obviously Najee Harris is goes up. So but I, I honestly I don't think it's going to exceed ten percent. And and I, I I wouldn't be shocked if it's sitting at seven or eight percent by uh by kickoff.
0: All right. We're gonna wrap there. I should have mentioned this way earlier, but we are gonna have a bonus podcast that comes out tomorrow where uh, we will preview the Saturday slate. So the Cowboys game, the Chiefs game, we'll we'll talk about those two. And obviously we've got a little mini two-game slate there, so you can catch that in your feed tomorrow. For C and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. We'll be back again technically Friday, but also on Tuesday. No, not Tuesday. I'm lying. We'll be back again next Thursday (laughs) to preview the entire weekend of playoff football. We'll see you then.